Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in that great big beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building. And that is just kitty corner from Winkies. Everybody in that area knows where Winkies is. My guest today is Don Mern, and he is an attorney and a partner in the Axley Bernelson. And that is located right in Pewaukee, and I believe also in Madison. And um, we are going to talk today about taxes. And, you know, I've just recently talked to several clients and of course, we're all, everyone's concerned about taxes. And I said, well, the good news is, is that you're doing well and you have to pay taxes. And they go, good news is I'm doing well. Bad news is I have to pay taxes. (laughs) And, you know, it's all relative, but I always feel that we don't want to pay more than what we have to pay. And in order to do that, the one thing that is very evident and really makes me um, stop and pause is that you have to plan. You can't try and deal with taxes and deal some with the estate planning issues under duress or under stress. And that's what so often happens. And so I've asked Don to come on the air today to, first of all, talk about what has the impact of COVID had on the legal system. And then the taxes, of course, because that really directly relates to estate planning and business planning that Don does a lot of for us. And also, you know, I'm at that point in my life where I'm looking at passion projects and how can we plan for that? So Don, welcome to the show again. I don't know how many times you've been on the air, but it's been a lot. It (laughs) has been a lot. Yes. Talking about all the, which only tells my listeners that there's a lot to know about legal issues when it comes to business planning and tax planning and estate planning. We've been doing this show, we've covered so many different issues, and it's important. And I think a lot of people um, deal with these types of things under duress or under fire when something goes wrong. And what we're really trying to do today is to encourage people. There's some time that Don will talk about that gives us a little bit of time to do planning for taxes and other things with your estate planning. But the key is, is you got to sit down and do something. Yeah, and Karen, you made a good point. Um about under duress is always bad. I always say there's nothing worse than decisions made under pressure with little time to think them through. And that's often what happens to the business owners and people in their state planning or in their business planning is something uh, happens that's dramatic, either a health issue or a business issue or finance issue that forces them to make decisions that should have been made years ago. And uh, I think one of the things I've seen about COVID is that it's, it has really forced people to focus because it slowed the world down tremendously. You know, we're a go, go, go society and, uh, and America is very entrepreneurial and people are, are very hardworking. And COVID made them, you know, really focus internally what was important to them. Um, it spurred a lot in my business owners uh, thoughts about 
what I need to do to plan uh, gifting. I, I saw more and have seen more gifting to the next gen and transitioning to the next generation than I've seen in many, many years. Uh, people that I discussed these issues with and said, hey, we got to get going on it. And they were like, no, we will get around to it. You know, the press of business, the press of other things in life seems to take precedence till they're really faced with something like COVID where they have to look and say, uh, COVID was very random. Um, it was in the, in the people it took and the people it made ill. It was, it's, and it continues to be very random. For the majority of people, it's not anything worse than a bad cold, but for a few, and they still don't know why, it, uh, it makes them very sick. I had clients from, you know, all the way from the mid-40s and into the uh, 90s that got COVID and were extremely ill. I had a 94-year-old client who got COVID in a nursing home and told me it was, it was like a bad cold. And yet I had a 48-year-old who was in ICU for nine days. That kind of randomness, I think, really focuses business people in on what they need to be looking at uh, to protect themselves from those types of random things that can occur yes. that I preach to them about. You know, Don, I think it's the first time that I ever, in my lifetime, felt that everybody was asking themselves, what happens if I die? That's a question that we can't get anybody to ask because they all say, if I die. But this was the first time COVID really did slow things down and people thought, could it be me? And what would happen to my family? And I've done more, and I know you, we've done more estate planning and business planning than ever before because people didn't have an answer to that. What happened if I die? It's a, it, very true. It, it, it really forced people to be more thoughtful about what was going on because to be blunt, they had a lot of people had the time. Now, it was strangely enough, you, you know, we were discussing before we went on air about what the legal profession was like. Well, we went, obviously, based on the governor's order uh, a year ago, March, we shut uh, Axley down both in Madison and Waukesha and worked remotely. Uh, for the most part, that was, for the legal profession, relatively seamless. I think the biggest thing, and I'm sure business owners uh, know this, that if you had any court proceedings, they came to a grinding halt. You couldn't have juries. You couldn't see in person. Procedural and legal issues could be resolved via Zoom. Uh, and other mediums or phone calling, but uh, the actual business of the courts shut down. In a lot of ways, that was a good thing because you know I preached on your show more than once. Uh, the only people who make money in lawsuits are lawyers. And the legal system is problem resolution. It's not justice, and you have to avoid it at all costs uh, it, it, because it's just not a, a good way of doing business. A lot of cases settled because things are slowing down and slowing down business. Um, but people did start to really plan and think about those issues. Like I said, particularly the, the, the um, uh, going from that uh, second to third generation or first to second generation, where uh, a lot of the business owners that you and I deal with are, you know, their, their business is their child. Uh, they, they raised that child. They built that. You and I have discussed that with your business. You know, yeah. you, you organize it, you raise it, you put all the pieces in place. And then just to give that child to somebody else and say, here, you know, you, you look after it is very, very difficult for people, but faced And with I don't want you to change their wardrobe. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just do it the same way I did. Yeah. <laughs> Make those decisions the same way I do. Number, number one, preach to my business owners when they hand down, there's a million ways to skin the cat. There is no one right way to do things. And as long as decisions are made in an educated fashion with knowledge of everything that's going on. You can't stick your nose in and say, oh, you should do that differently. So I had a lot of business owners 
uh, transition uh, and, and change the way they were doing things and bring that next generation. And it also brought to light for a lot of people that the next generation was not equipped to run the business, which is also, you and I have discussed that over the years, is the a big question is, is that next generation able to run the business? Do they have the skill set to run the business? And a lot of my clients decided because of COVID, we're doing a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions now. And I, I think two things are driving that. Money on the sideline, which you've seen, there's so much money out there, uh, a wash in the system that, and the rates of return are not great on so many traditional vehicles like T-bills or CDs where people want to be real safe. And they're like, where do I move my money in? particularly companies. So mergers and acquisitions are getting very big. And a lot of my business owners evaluated that next generation and then made the decision to sell the business as opposed to uh, putting it in the hands of the next generation. You know, Don, talk a little bit about the benefits of that planning. And of course, we, we do think that it's obvious, but most of us built our businesses with the idea that it would be nice to pass it down to the next generation. Or even if, you're going to sell a business and the cash goes to the next generation. If the planning's not done, those dollars and that opportunity to run that business can destroy families and can destroy a business in a nanosecond almost. And the, it's often even worse if family is in the business. And if you have this idea that things should be equal, I mean, there's so many convoluted issues that people choose not to, think about. And I've had people say to me, well, I'll be dead. I don't have to worry about it. But none of us have ever wanted our business to destroy our family and destroy relationships. Well, and you and I have talked about the unique relationship. Family-run businesses, family members, they, they all think that their problems are unique to them. And I would say that the family-run business that runs smoothly and, and has good decision-making process is the exception to the rule. Uh, I would say one out of every 10 of my clients that's a family-run business is able to make good decisions in a timely fashion in the family-run organization because they're all thinking about the emotional side of it, which in a regular business, the emotional side of it is not, it, it's part of it, but not to the same degree. If I'm going to be sitting across from somebody at the Thanksgiving room table, it's hard for me to tell them they're doing a lousy job you know, my, my niece or my son or, you know, my cousin, you know, you're, you're doing a rotten job in the business. It's, that's an extremely hard thing to do. Uh, and family-run businesses are under continuous pressure from the outside to do business well and from the inside to continue good uh, operational procedures within that emotional stew of a family business. It is so true. And I guess when I, the importance of sitting down as a family, as a group and finding out, you know, so often parents, the owner who's running, it doesn't even know what the kids want or really can clearly see what their role could potentially be and what's missing. And I think that this is a time for everybody to really, really sit down and make sure that they've got everything in order and in place. And how often does someone pass away and the wife all of a sudden is in charge of the business and has no clue about the business. So all that hard work that we've put into it is, um, is only championed if you're planning around it. That's a great point. So many times, Don, people ask me, you know, cause Julie running Ellen Becker is just doing a phenomenal job. And um, you and I sat down many years ago before my transition started and 
and talked about it. And in many ways, I thought, well, she's just my daughter. Of course, it's going to run well. But we and you helped me really determine what were the things that I had to do to mentor to make sure that those things were in place. But the other thing is Julie was with me since college. So the the business is 25 years old and she's been with me almost 28 years before I started the business when I was at Dame Bosworth. So she grew up watching the business and being part of the business. She was part of the decisions from the very beginning. Uh, we worked together. And that's something that most people don't have. And I think that that's been the real gift that Julie and I have had in running the business together. And, you know, she always says that I'm the gas and she's the brake. And we, we learned to blend that together and we learned to develop the business together. So often kids come in at all different times and they have various degrees of experience. And that's where it gets a little bit edgy. I agree. You know, so um, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about estate tax rules and everybody's worried about what's going to happen. And I know that you brought your crystal ball. So that's a great idea. We'll look at it as soon as we get back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is attorney Don Mern. He is a partner in Axie Bernelson. They have offices in Pewaukee and also in Madison. Don has been on the radio show many times looking at a whole variety of issues that have to do with estate planning, business planning, succession planning, and um, gifting. So today we talked a little bit about some of the issues that came to light with COVID. But one of the other things that happened is there's a new election during this whole COVID thing, and everybody's talking about estate taxes and what potentially could happen. And as I said, Don has his uh, crystal ball with him, which if only we had one, right? We could make some different decisions. But how do you, how are you talking to your clients about the whole estate tax issue and looking at doing that planning or looking at gifting and trying to avoid paying more than what we should pay? Yeah, and in terms of the crystal ball, Aaron and I was really smart before 2008, not so much anymore. <laughs> Because I didn't see the extent of 08 coming and how long it took to recover. So, you know, this whole thing with COVID and also the change in the election has got me, I read a lot more. I try to stay up on things, but there are a lot of balls in the air. Uh, And uh, regardless of your political persuasion, the reality of it is that there may be tax law changes. Uh, As your listeners may or may not remember, the Current federal estate tax exemption is uh, just under $12 million per person. That means a married couple uh, can pass uh, almost $24 million to their siblings or to other beneficiaries without taxes. There's also something that's known as a step-up in basis. So when a spouse dies or a parent dies or the beneficiaries get a step-up in basis to fair market value. Uh, and to put that in context, if you bought a share of stock for $100 and it's now worth $1,000 uh, and you sold it, you pay a $900 capital gain on that stock. Uh, with step up in basis, you get a new basis to the date of death value. So that $1,000 stock could be sold and you pay zero capital gains. Uh, the uh, new uh, leadership Um, Democratic leadership is looking at all those rules and trying to figure out what to do with them. 
they're jumping into a Pandora's box because step up in basis uh, to the average person seems like a, a, a huge win. But what it really does is it allows uh, beneficiaries to sell assets and keep money moving within the system. Countries that uh, do not have step up in basis like England, uh, you find generational wealth because the people do not sell anything because they don't want to pay the extreme income tax there they'd rather pay the estate tax which is actually becomes a lower rate so there's a lot of moving parts the tax law that, that what i'll call the trump tax law uh, will go to 2025 at that point it reverts to the old system that would uh, take that uh, just less than 12 million dollar exemption and bring it down to approximately uh, six and a half million and i'm i'm rounding for for those of you who are listening, there are accountants and lawyers and estate planners. I know I'm rounding, uh, but it, it, it's the concept that's most important. Basically, cut it in half. Uh, the reality of, an, uh, of a just less than $12 million federal estate tax exemption, it's called the unified credit, is that most of the people of America uh, have nothing to worry about because they're not worth uh, individually more than $11 or $12 million and as a couple, $24 million. Uh, so that's really narrowed the bandwidth of who needs to do sophisticated estate planning. If Democratic Congress would change that, that would bring in, for instance, they're, they're talking about going back to potentially the old system, the progressive side of the Democratic Party, maybe a million and a half or $2 million unified credit. Well, that is once again going to open up a whole range of planning. And as you know, one of the things that drove the life insurance industry for many, many years was the estate tax. We did what was known as irrevocable life insurance trusts or islets. Those were where someone would buy, uh, basically have their kids or beneficiaries buy a life insurance policy to fund the tax that they would have to pay when they passed away. The insurance industry loved that because it created liquidity for them in a whole new market. And as a lot of the listeners are aware, the insurance uh, companies are that secondary or second tier of financing outside of the banks. Uh, so it provides uh, additional liquidity for the economy. So I know I've gone into a lot of different areas, but I want the listeners to understand there's a lot of moving parts to all this. And whenever you hear tax reform, uh, and those of you who've li who lived through 85, uh, and then the tax changes in 90, and then the, uh, the current tax changes, and all the different iterations will know whenever you start talking about tax changes and quote-unquote simplifying the, uh, the taxes, it, it doesn't work that way. Our system is engineered. It's social engineering. We push people into different things so they don't pay as much in taxes. But I wanted to give at least a brief overview uh, so you could lean into it a little bit more, Karen, in terms of what could possibly happen and where we'll go from here. What are you talking to your clients about? Because we don't know if it's going to change or not change. Are you looking at redoing some of the documents to put some things in place? Is there this possibility that the step up could go away? I wish I could tell you one way or the other things will absolutely happen. My hunch will be the, the estate. What I always say to people is the estate tax is a politically pretty easy one for them to lower because if they say this, that, that less than 1% of Americans would be affected by, you know, an estate tax of over 6 million or 7 million, um, you know, or a smaller percentage, that's easy to sell. Those rich people will pay their taxes. The problem is with family-run businesses, as you know, is usually all their wealth is tied up in that business. 
uh, and they would have liquidity issues. You spoke earlier about not making decisions and uh, and uh, under duress. The last thing you want is to have to liquidate a business or liquidate business assets because you have to pay an estate tax and potentially a down business environment. Um, I think they're going to play with that. Uh, step up in basis, I would be surprised if they did much. Once they look at the social implications of step up in basis, I think they're much more likely to, uh, to uh, manipulate the estate tax uh, than the step up in basis. But you asked an interesting question about what, what uh, my clients are doing in regard to these concerns. Uh, we had a, a very, uh, because the Democrats, and, and I read the Treasury website, I read a lot of different newspapers to try to get an idea of what's going on on the right and left to try to properly advise my clients as to what could happen. It is all educated guesswork. You don't know. Uh, we'll have a 20 election. That could change everything once again. But in this interim, for those people who thought about gifting, and who have uh, businesses that are worth 10, 15 million, 20 million dollars, they jumped on uh, the, uh, the gifting. Um, as we've discussed, gift a business, you need to uh, appraise it first. Your IRS requires uh, when you file gift tax returns that uh, there be an appraisal to uh, the value of the business uh, for purpose of the gift, the gifting. So a lot of my clients did annual gifting the end of last year and also took advantage of their unified credit because the messages coming from the um, Democratic leadership was that if they did any estate tax reform, they were going to make it retroactive to January 1st of 2021. So there was a little bit of push. Uh, you'll notice now because of uh, some of this build back, build back Better America and the programs that the Biden administration is pushing, uh, tax reform has kind of been shoved to the background. And I think what I'm smelling is it's going to be that way probably for the next uh, nine months to a year. I just don't see them attacking it um, because it's politically a lot rougher to push through than infrastructure. We're going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back, Don, would you explain when you say gifting, what are they actually gifting? Um, shares of the company or, you know, and and of course, one of the things with a owner, a founder, is that you don't want to lose control of making some of those important decisions. So how does someone actually start that gifting and make it work and keep it as a positive gift to the children? Because I know it changes the income that comes in. It changes if you're taking out any any types of um, bonuses. Everything gets changed. So with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to know more about the things that we do, please go to ellenbecker.com. We have um, over 44 employees that are working for you, and you can be introduced to us online. And if you have any questions, um, please give us a call and we can connect you up with Don or we can meet together. If you have a business and you're wondering, you know, is he talking about me? <laughs> if it sounds a little familiar and it's, you haven't taken the time or had the time to really think about some of these questions, we'd love to sit down with you. And my guest today is attorney Don Moon, and he is a partner in Axie Bernelson, and they have offices in Pewaukee as well, Waukesha and Madison. And before we took the break, you were talking about gifting. And I know that I have done gifting 
And I think that there's also, I remember, Don, when we sat down, and this has got to be 10 or 12 years ago, and I, the whole question came as, what do I want to do with my business? Do I want to grow it? Do I want to pass it? Uh, what does that look like? You know, and I said, well, you know, Julie's got a lot of sweat equity in the business. And I remember you telling me what sweat equity was and what salary is. And usually kids don't get both. They get one or they get the other and they grow into, you know, a a strategy. And so maybe for people listening, you could just summarize a little bit some of those strategies and what gifting actually means. And um, there's always a balance between the positive and then there's things that you might not like about it. But to get the end result is the important equation. For business owners, it's very difficult. And, and I remember our discussion with regard to this. It's easier for you with Julie because she was in the business for so many years. So you had an opportunity to evaluate her. And to be blunt, Karen, you're um, able to logically step through things, take your emotions, put them to the side and say, uh, what is best for my business? And you did that with Julie and, and to her benefit. Because you thought about things, you just didn't say, well, this is my daughter, I love her, so I'm going to give her everything. Because you recognize that that wasn't going to be good for Ellen Becker in the long run, that it needed a strong, uh, capable person running it uh, and and taking the helm. And you were good at that. I think uh, uh, business owners and your listeners that are business owners should recognize that one of the first things they need to do to decide about gifting is evaluate people are within their organization that are family members and whether or not they want that value to go to them uh, and to make those decisions as you mentioned sweat equity did did have they been underpaid for years because they were working and do they deserve to be gifted in should they be buying the business and you know there is ways to say if a, an owner wants to get out and sell to the children you can do that as well by just taking a note and uh, an interest in the stock and saying, I will sell it to you for X number of dollars. That, that's an alternative to gifting uh, if they feel that that would be the best way to do it. Now, of course, you're putting your faith in your family that they're going to monetize uh, value over time. Uh, but uh, in terms of gifting strategy, uh, you, you mentioned something that I think a lot of the business owners struggle with, which is, yes, I'd like the value to go to my family, but I don't want to give up control. And to a large degree, you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to gifting. I always say to people, gifting is irrevocable. And once you gift, you gift and and that control is gone. Now, if you own a majority of shares in a company uh, and you're the majority owner, you uh, make the decisions. So if you're gifting minority interests, you're still the decision maker. So that's one way of moving value and getting it out of your estate while still maintaining control. If control is not as big an issue for you, it becomes a lot easier. And what a lot of my clients did at the end of last year was they gifted, they used their unified credit. They're uh, just under 12 million. Uh, And for those with uh, bigger businesses, husband and wife did it together, gifted in its entirety, uh, the business to the family. A number of them took employment contracts where they became employees of the company for a year, two years, three years, four years, uh, to continue that income flow uh, while gifting. And I think, Don, just to bring up the reason that they did that gifting was because now they could each gift the $12 million, And if it changes in a year or two or three, it's done. Correct. They've that's been able to give point. it. Excellent point, Karen. And that's why people are doing it, because they're afraid that there's going to be changes. And as we talked about in the earlier segment, if those changes would result in a large 
estate tax liability. And, uh, you know, for, again, purposes of rounding, estate tax brackets start at about 50%. So if uh, you have a business that's worth uh, $10 million and the estate tax exemption is six and you have a $4 million overage, you're going to pay $2 million or your family will pay $2 million in taxes. And that oftentimes is a number that can bankrupt the business. So a lot of the businesses recognize that you have an opportunity for gifting that still exists now because the tax law has not been changed. And there has been no rumblings so far as of now, we're almost halfway through the year uh, that the uh, that they're prioritizing a tax law change or a change in the uh, estate tax. So there's still time to do it. Uh, but people have to get comfortable. You mentioned earlier, which is a good point. You got to get comfortable in loss of control. If you want to move some value, which is always a smart strategy, uh, and maintain control, you can always do voting and non-voting stock and get your appraisal based on that. And you can vest in the non-voting stock uh, essentially the capital assets of the business while retaining the right to control. Now, the IRS will look at that. You have to get an appraisal that recognizes that because the IRS will look at that. And if you maintain too much control, they will put some of the value of the stock into your estate. So you have to have a sophisticated appraiser that understands how to do that in such a way that the IRS uh, does not take issue with it. The interesting thing about gifting is that the IRS can revisit gifting when a person passes away. So you really have to make sure if you do gifting and you file gift tax returns that you document them properly because that provides you some protections when the, the uh, grant or the, or the person gifting uh, the shares or issues, uh, shares or units, and I'll talk about that in a second, uh, to their children. Real estate is a little bit different than uh, a company that is either a manufacturer or uh, a software company or something like that in terms of cash flow. Real estate uh, is a little bit uh, actually easier to deal with because the appraisal method is more simple. Uh, there's a much bigger group of appraisers that you can get to that uh, understand how to appraise real estate. And it's easier to piece off interest in real estate and do things with income than it is with uh, other companies that uh, ha are more cash uh, or, or more service-based. When you're talking about employers and fathers and owners and husbands and wives that own these businesses, one of the things that you've talked about in the past, and it does relate somewhat to the whole idea of taxes and the formation of the company, is that everything's in their heads. So many of the important things and decisions that have to be made if someone would pass away aren't on paper. They aren't written down. Nobody has an idea of where to move. And so many companies end up being like turtles on their back with no one knowing what the next step is. One of the things you've always talked about, Don, is having things down, putting things on paper, mentoring, having, making sure that there's someone that can slide into that situation um, and keep the business running. Just like we want to keep our families running and our household running, keeping a business running. And I know even for myself, I mean, I've had so much of my um, how to take risk, how to make decisions, how I feel about things that, you know, Julie and I have really spent a lot of time talking about that. And I always worry about, well, my goodness, what would happen if something happened to Julie? You know, what would happen if something happened to me? And I told you and I have talked about it. Something happens to me. Julie's in a great place. Um, she knows what I want. But if something happens to Julie, I frankly don't want to go back to her job. <laughs> yeah. 
she can run my job really easily because she's doing that now. And so, you know, we've sat down and said, you have to have the people in place in the event that something happens to you. That's the type of planning that you do all around all of these issues, not just tax. One of the issues that I raise with new clients in particular, as I preach them, we need an organizational chart. And, and those same discussions that you and I had with you and Julie, what happens if, when, if this person would pass, who would they, who answers to who, how does this work? Because very few business owners are, they're used to making decisions in real time. Like you said, it's all in their head. They don't have time. They're like, oh, well, I can't, uh, I don't have time to do this stuff. Yes, you do. If you want your business to survive. And yes, you do. If you want freedom as you get older, because, you know, those transitions from 50 to 60, 60 to 70 are huge. That 20 year span, uh, you know, there's some unique people like my dad who's 92 and still going like a house of fire, uh, like you who are interested in a million different things and consulting and all the things that you do. But you guys are, are the exception to the rule. There's people don't recognize that. And when they pound in a business for many, many years, they start to get tired and they start to struggle with the responsibility of the business and the daily decision making that goes on. Uh, and they need to really come to terms with that and say, okay, what is my plan? I always tell people one, three, five years, one year plan. You usually will accomplish maybe in a good year, 60 to 70% of the goals. Three year plan is really getting organized to make sure your thought process is good going forward in the business. And the five-year plan is dreaming. Five-year plans don't mean much. When you look back at them, you've accomplished very few of that because so much changes, but the process in doing that forces people to go, how does my business operate? What would happen if, you know, uh, like supply chain disruptions that have hit uh, a lot of my uh, clients this year and, and how they respond to those, had a, those with organizational charts that they could turn to their team and figure out who had what expertise and how to go about fixing some of those issues and getting the raw materials they needed to continue manufacturing uh, were way ahead of the game. And, you know, COVID, as we talked about, I've had a number of business owners, you know, uh, who were the sole decision maker and ran it with an iron fist. And then he or she got COVID at a couple of those circumstances. And boy, the bottom started dropping out. Panic phone calls. You know, um, you don't want lawyers and accountants stepping in to run your business when you get ill. It's too expensive and they don't know enough. We spend too many hours just trying to figure out what's going on to advise people. So part of that estate planning uh, business organization is writing everything down, having an organizational chart. And as you and I have discussed in the past, and as I do annually, every year, I sit down at the beginning of the year and I write out instructions now to my daughter, Tracy, who's practicing with me and Axley Brindelson and say, if I pass away, here's all the things you need to worry about for this year and what's going on. I should probably do it semi-annually, but I don't, but at least annually, here's where all the business things are. Here's where the LLCs are. Here's, you know, uh, I don't have my fingers in as much as I used to years ago, but it's still important that somebody be able to pick it up and run with it. You know, we're going to take a quick break, but one of the things that just, I sat down with a client with a business just recently and he said, I've worked all my life and now I'm still making all these decisions, working as hard as I am. And he said, and everyone in my business is my age all of his employees. And he said, and so I'm worried about if I die, but what if they die? So when we come back, let's take some, a look at some more of these business issues.
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor. My guest today is attorney Don Mern, and he is a partner in Axie Bernelson in um, Waukesha and in Madison. If you would like to give him a call to talk about your business, his phone number is 262-524-8500. You know, Don, I, I ended the last segment with one of my clients who has worked so hard. He's done really well. He doesn't want to sell his business because he gets his car, his life insurance. He gets so many different benefits out of it. And yet he doesn't want to work as hard as he is anymore. And the reality hit him with COVID that everybody is his age and they're getting tired too. And they're now talking about retirement. And he's thinking, my God, all these people who've got all this experience are going to retire and I'm still going to be left here. And, and he doesn't want to pay the tax. He likes the benefits. And I said, you know, you've got my permission, literally, to sell your business, to you know, take this cash to enjoy your life. You and your wife are well, you can still travel, you can still do things. But it's almost as if business owners get stuck in the fact that nobody can do it as well as I can do. These are my clients, these are my employees. And then one day, just like our kids, they all grow up and go away. Yeah, I think business owners have a lot, you know, that are successful and entrepreneurial have a lot in common. And one is that they are hard driving and not afraid to work and make decisions. Uh, But that can also be very detrimental because they don't allow themselves to think uh, about what's best for them. It's always the business, the business, the business, the business. And at a certain point, as we discussed in the earlier segment, you know, you reach an age where pounding and grinding becomes that much more difficult. And I've seen it. Uh, And emotionally dealing with coming to grips with what my organization is, what the ages are, this discussion that you had with your uh, client, I, I just had recently, my God, all the people that I thought I'd transition the business to are my age and now want to retire because he's 77 and they're all in their late sixties. So now all these p- people that he said, well, I'm going to retire or, or retire and I'm going to transition the business to when I'm 65 are now too old and don't want to do it anymore. So the, the question then becomes, you know, as you reach 60, you realize that you're, as one of my friends put it, we're deep into the fourth quarter and you better decide how you want to live and what you want to do, because there's nothing more sad than people who are laying on their deathbed and have said, I, ha- I haven't done what I wanted to do. All I did was work. Um, and that's what makes people successful. I understand. But I, I love the fact that you said I gave them permission to sell because oftentimes I tell my clients, I'm only leading you to the decisions and the, and the things that you already know, but don't want to verbalize. And that is um, a business owner thing. It's not male or female. It's, I see this with business owners. They are afraid to let go. They are afraid to say, I'll sell the business. I think there's a very uh, a window right now. I mentioned earlier that M&A is very, very hot right now because there's so much money on the sidelines. So there's a lot of consolidation, industry consolidation in different sectors. And this is the time where you can monetize your business better than any other time. Uh, People like you and I know investment bankers, business brokers that we can put people in touch with that are professional and that will guide them in the process of selling their business. But I think people really have to look hard and say, you know what? It's okay. I'm not letting people down. And, And your business owner should keep in mind, and most of my clients who sell, make sure that all their employees are hired especially their key employees, 
and the employees at the lower level are hired. Now, you can't guarantee if somebody doesn't perform, they're going to have a job forever, but at least they make sure that during the transition, those people are kept on and, and that there's a good cultural balance with the buyers as well. You know, Don, what I have experienced is that people forget that time is wealth. They only think of wealth as being monetary, but time is wealth. And when you've worked so hard your whole life and you've worked so that you could have time to do the things you want, all of a sudden you get to the place and you've spent your time. Examining that, particularly in a profession where you bill, you know, on in an hourly basis, so you're selling your time continuously. Uh, it's easy to remember that for people who are in a business where they see quarterly, monthly, quarterly, semi-annual, annual statements. I made X number of dollars. They never relate their time that they put into it and and the dollars that it creates. And is it worth it to spend that time for the dollars? Because if you don't, you know, as you and I have often joked. What are the essentials? Roof over your head, food in your belly. <laughs> After that, it's all cake. And people really have to understand that and come to grips with it. Some people want to just work till they're dead. And that's okay if it's a conscious decision. If they say, this is what I want, it's okay. The sad part is, is where it's not what they want. And they just have never thought about it. They don't know how to unravel it. If you're sitting in that situation and you would, you want more time and you want to enjoy it, um, give Don a call, give me a call, and we'll sit down and we'll look at some options and at least try to help you to sort through it. Because I just recently had someone say to me, I don't want this, but I don't know how to unravel it. I don't know how to get out of it. And you know, I, I like that you would give people the opportunity to contact you because a lot of times it's intimidating for people to come to lawyers for various reasons. And you have so much experience in that area. And I know you're consulting. Uh, and you don't you you are very um, close to the vest on a lot of the things that you do. But your, your your listeners should understand that you consult and you do a lot with family run businesses and are able to guide people through this because you've lived it, which is a unique experience. One of the things that I love and you are you work with me on my business is that you talk in the way people can hear. You have the ability, the down to earth, your feet are on the ground, you're helping your clients to the best of your ability to stay sane, to enjoy their lives, to keep their costs down and and to help them pass to the next generation or to sell and enjoy their lives, the lives that they've worked so hard for. So Don, again, thank you for all these years and loyalty and helping me. And on the radio show, give Don a call at 262-524-8500. And of course, you know, you can call me at 262-691-3200 and uh, we'd love to work with you have a great day and Don again thank you as always I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being remember before we plan before we advise before we invest we always listen have a great day